topic that most of us have gotten extremely used to hearing about. It's been in the headlines a lot over the last few years, but to be honest, it's been a serious topic of conversation and point of contention for decades. Today, my goal is to share some things that I don't think have gotten the recognition that they deserve. Um, So with that being said, let's dive into immigration reform and the crisis at the border. So this week, in light of this shooting that happened in Allen, Texas, which hits super close to home because my family and I shop at that outlet mall very frequently, um, I really wanted to punch back at the calls for gun controls and appropriate response to shootings. But as I started researching and outlining that episode for y'all, I I really want to spend some more time thinking through that topic. It's such a big issue, and I only want to speak on it when I'm fully prepared. So we're going to table that for now, um, and instead, we're going to talk about immigration and the need for immigration reform. As I said in the intro, immigration has been a problem for decades, and neither side of the aisle has been able to find a solution to it. Um, you have one side of the, ba- the debate, which is the far left, who wants open borders, which means that people would be allowed to move freely between jurisdictions without restriction. The other side of the debate, typically Republicans, want closed or semi-closed borders in which who and what can enter our country is heavily regulated and limited. Um, I found most of the debate and most of the headlines center around that issue of open borders versus closed borders, but I believe that the focus should be on finding solutions for the consequences of our current system. So I want to take some time today to explain what those consequences are and why some proposed solutions are not really solutions at all. This week I was reading an article by the New York Times um, on this issue, and they reported that an estimated 660,000 migrants were waiting in Mexico this month with hopes of crossing. And that's over half a million migrants. Now, the same article reports that the reason so many migrants are waiting is because of conflict abroad. Um, A former Biden official is quoted as saying, quote, failing states across the Western Hemisphere is the disease. The flow of migrants to the border overwhelming our agencies is the symptom, end of quote. To that, I would say, okay, maybe, maybe so many people are wanting to come because life as an immigrant in America would be superior to life in their country of origin. But here's the thing, and I know, especially for Christians, that this is a really difficult thing to hear and to say, but the U.S. cannot afford to have unlimited compassion. What do I mean by that? Well, the U.S. only has so much land area, only has so many jobs, only has so many homes, only has so many resources. We cannot afford to take in every person from other countries that has a difficult life. Um, The journalist who wrote the New York Times article said, um, quote, the federal government has long relied on border communities to provide respite spots and shelters for the migrants. Still, while federal funding has increased in the past year, it is not enough to address the needs of nonprofits and local governments, end of quote. So local governments and nonprofits are maxed out. We're seeing that now. Um, They don't have unlimited resources either. There's only so much we can do here in the United States, which is why I say the United States cannot afford to show unlimited compassion. 
But listen, this is where we as Christians, as the church, can show compassion. We can do missions in these countries. We can support and encourage these people. Taking care of them is not the job of the United States government. It never has been, never should be. Taking care of them, supporting them, is the job of the body of Christ. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the current system and some of those consequences that we have seen as of late. Um, A lot of the discussion right now surrounds Title 42 because it's supposed to expire. Um, So what is Title 42? Well, Title 42 was used during the pandemic to essentially authorize immigration officers and border patrol to quickly extradite or deport illegal border crossers due to health concerns. Um, It's my understanding that Title 42 has been around for a very long time, um, but it was just kind of put in place or um, started being enforced um, in uh, during the pandemic years during the Trump administration. Um, The actual Title 42 in the Code of Federal Regulations says, quote, the director, and that's the director of either the CDC, the Department of Health and Human Services, or an authorized representative from either one of those organizations, may prohibit in whole or in part the introduction into the United States of persons from designated foreign countries or places only for such period of time that the director deems necessary to avert the serious danger of the introduction of a quarantinable communicable disease. So that basically means that the government is allowed to expel foreigners from the country to help stop the spread of communicable diseases or contagious diseases. So Title 42 is not a bad regulation, in my opinion. Um, I think there's a place and a time for it. However, I do not believe that it applies to us at this moment of time. Therefore, I am actually in favor of Title 42 expiring. But, and this is a big but, we need a new law in its place. I am not for open borders, mainly for the reasons I said above about our limited resources, though I'll outline some other reasons in a few minutes. But I do believe rather strongly that we need new laws as soon as possible. Um, The United States has not passed any significant immigration reform in almost four decades. That's absolutely crazy. Uh, The publication The Hill reported that our immigration backlogs will have some people waiting 150 years to become permanent residents. 150 years. Furthermore, there's a backlog of more than 1 million work permits. That's ridiculous. Um, Maybe instead of 80,000 IRS agents, we should hire 80,000 people to help work through the backlogs of our immigration system. But yet that is never proposed. Um, As I kept researching this issue, I stumbled upon the Migration Policy Institute, which did an excellent job of outlining all the visas available and the different paths to getting a green card. Um, I highly recommend you all check that out. But as I was reading, I found these stats. In 2019, the wait for U.S. citizens to sponsor adult unmarried children, so that's U.S. citizens that are trying to sponsor adult unmarried children that um, are from other countries, was more than seven years for most countries. It was 12 years for those in the Philippines wanting to come here and 21 years for those in Mexico. Now, the reason this differs based on the country is that we have, based on my understanding, my limited understanding of this issue, we have, um, so there's a cap on how many visas we will give to um, people in each country. So, like, these aren't the real numbers, it's just an example, but say, like, we say 
will allow 20,000 people from the Philippines a year or 30,000 from Mexico or whatever. Um, So there's caps on those. So anything going beyond the cap is what this is saying. It goes on a wait list and you're waiting seven years, 12 years, 21 years, depending on which country you're in. Um, So it's it's absolutely crazy. In 2018, there were 121,000 people awaiting employment-based green cards. 121,000. And that's in 2018. I'm sure that number is much higher now, several years later. The immigration system is so obviously broken and outdated. But here's the thing. Adding more people to the system is not going to help it. It's only going to make these numbers worse. Letting in the 660,000 migrants that are waiting um, in Mexico right now is only going to make this system worse. It's only going to delay the people that are trying to go through the right channels um, getting into our country. Um, So that's something to consider. But let me be clear. I think immigration is a great thing, and I fully support legal immigration. I mean, the reality is that all of us are the descendants of immigrants. However, it is not okay to have a backlog of people waiting hundreds of years to get here. They won't even live that long. The system has to change. It has to become more efficient. We have to clear those backlogs. That is only going to happen if we pass immigration reform. Now, here is another consequence that we're dealing with, um, and I think this might be one of the most serious consequences, uh, and that is drugs. And I wouldn't want to do this podcast without touching on this because it's such a big issue. Um, Customs and Border Patrol has an excellent feature on their website that lets you play around with drug statistics from years past. Um, I will try to include that in the show notes so you can go on and mess with it yourself. But as I was messing around with it, here's what I discovered. um, I'm going to list off these stats for you. In 2022, 656,000 pounds of drugs were seized at borders. That's not just the southern border, that's northern everything. So only 43% of that came from the southern border. So it's not just the southern border that is the problem. You have our border with Canada, you also have people flying in. Um, So far this fiscal year, so that runs from October 22, and the the latest data that they had was March 2023. So from October 2022 to March 2023, they have seized 264,000 pounds of drugs. In March of 2023 alone, so in this last month of March, they seized 26,611 pounds of drugs. The most common drugs that are seized are marijuana, meth, cocaine, cat, and fentanyl. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other ones in there like heroin, etc., um, but those are the main drugs that, that come across. In the entire year, this is the craziest statistic, okay? In the entire year of 2022, we confiscated 14,699 pounds of fentanyl. This fiscal year to date, so that's October to March, they've seized 13,891 pounds of fentanyl. So if you're doing the math, that is 94.5% of what we seized in the entire year of 2022. And we've seized that in six months. Um, According to the DEA, fentanyl is involved in more deaths of Americans under 50 than any other cause of death. If you look at the charts, as I have, you'll see that fentanyl deaths are steadily rising and have been for the last few years. This is a problem, and it is a consequence of the number of drugs coming across our borders. And just remember that the numbers I gave you are what they caught. 
No operation is 100% successful. So imagine what they haven't been able to seize. Um, So drugs are a huge issue. Um, But funding the cartels is another big issue. And drugs is just one way that they get their money. According to the Daily Mail, and many other news organizations have reported this on as well. Daily Mail is just one example. Migrants are required to pay the cartels thousands of dollars to transit cartel territory. Um, So that's most of the area, I'm told, along the southern border is controlled by the cartels now. So in order to even get across the border, you have to pay the cartels whatever they ask, which is most often thousands of dollars. Um, And they are expected to pay that with the money they earn in America, so with American wages. But consider this, during that time, while they are trying to pay off the cartels, which could take years, depending on what they owe, I've seen numbers that are like $10,000, those people are essentially owned by the cartels. They are enslaved to the cartels. They do the cartels bidding for them. Uh, So we have essentially hundreds of thousands of people coming into the country who are working for the cartels, whether that's voluntarily or by force, it doesn't matter. Um, They're still doing the cartels bidding. I've seen a few numbers floating around lately, but but the one I've seen most recently is $13 billion. Cartels have made approximately $13 billion on human trafficking alone. So that's without drugs, $13 billion. And what are they doing to these people as they tra- what and what they are doing to these people um, as they traffic them is horrendous. You're talking rape, physical abuse, poor traveling conditions. Uh, so in my opinion, the question that lawmakers need to be asking right now is how do we stop this from happening? What can we do? How can we refine our immigration system to reduce the backlogs, limit the amount of drugs crossing the border, and eliminate opportunities for the cartels to exploit immigrants? I don't know what the perfect answers are. In fact, I don't believe there is a perfect answer, but I do strongly believe that there is a far better way to handle this than what we are doing now. I also know that open borders is not the answer. I, as an advocate for legal immigration, strongly believe that closed borders are not the answer either. I think we need immigration, but we need immigration in a way that is legal, efficient, and safe for everybody involved, Americans and immigrants. Democrats and Republicans are both to blame for the current system. They have locked antlers for so long on this issue, and the immigrants have suffered. Americans have suffered. It's time for them to stop pawing at the ground and do something. Do something for the American communities that are struggling to protect their livelihoods and families as these immigrants rush through without screening. Do something for the immigrants that are being trafficked and abused to line the cartel's pockets. Do something now to change this system. You know, I've heard many people say if we cut our donations to Ukraine even by half um, and redirect that money to immigration solutions, we would make some headway. But that can be said of a lot of areas of government spending. We are so wasteful in this country. If they could get their ducks in a row and stop the waste, think about what we could do. Think about what we could improve. We could transform this immigration system from the inside out. Thank y'all for listening to this episode of Punching Back. I hope I was able to shed some light on what our country is dealing with in regard to the immigration crisis. I would encourage y'all, if you can, to contact your senators or representatives and let them know that you want immigration reform now. Change is possible, but it will take courageous citizens and congressmen and women to speak up. 
to stay up to date on all that is coming down the road, please follow me on social media at Rebecca Howell zero zero. That's R E B E K A H H O W E L L zero zero. If you liked today's episode, be sure to share it with your friends and family and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button while you're at it so you never miss an episode. That's it for today. I will be back here next Friday, but until then, always remember to punch back.